What's going on, everybody? We are back here with the Lyft Chicago podcast. This is going to be episode number 10. And on today's episode, we are going to be interviewing um, our chiropractor that we outsourced to, Pat Malarczyk. Did I say that right, Pat? Uh, Malarczyk. Malarczyk. Uh, but he's gonna. Get, we're gonna kind of run down some uh, common myths of low back pain. Why people uh, think they either have low back pain or the symptoms that they're they're having. Uh, we're gonna look a lot towards Pat's expertise on this. For this, if you guys have any uh, reviews or questions, by all means, please, please, please leave a review uh, on your listening device, and we would really appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Pat. And I guess without further ado, Pat, introduce yourself. Uh, obviously, we just kind of did a little bit, uh, but introduce yourself, hype yourself up, and tell us what you do. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to uh, be part of this uh, new podcast. I'm really enjoying it so far, and hopefully we can uh, help some people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, learn a little bit more about low back pain and some common myth- myths. Um, so my name is Dr. Patrick Malarczyk. I am co-owner of Elite Performance Chiropractic. Uh, We are a chiropractic and physical therapy and massage therapy clinic located uh, in River North in Chicago. Um, What we do is we help people get out of pain. Um, We provide services for uh, chiropractic, physical therapy. We have massage therapists. We do cupping and we also do uh, nutritional consultations. Um, so we do a lot of wellness type stuff. Um, we have been in business since 2011, so we're about nine years in. Um, that's just a little bit about our business. Um, do you want me to chat about myself a little bit? No, too, so background where I came from before this. Talk a little bit about um, you know who who's your really your like target market, average client. What do you see on a daily basis? Sure, sure, of course. So. Being in a young, active community such as River North, our normal uh, demographic of patient is anywhere between a 25 and 40 year old, 45 year old um, person. We see more females than males. Uh, most of our patients are active, so they're working out, they're doing class pass, they're going to lift, they're going to gyms, they're running. Uh, we see a lot of marathon people, a lot of Olympic weightlifters, CrossFitters. We kind of see the whole gamut. Mostly young, healthy, active population. Uh, so the treatment that we do is, you know, mostly active-based uh, treatment. We try and get people back quicker than any other clinic so that they can get back um, to being uh, active again. Now, that being said, that's our normal uh, patient. But we also see just people who sit at a desk all day. We do see older individuals. We see some high schoolers. Uh, so, you know, we see a lot of different people. Cool, yeah. Um what is what i guess what's the most common uh source of pain that you're you're kind of seeing or interacting with is it desk job workers is it uh, more or less athletes or is it just you know everyday people having random aches and pains so number one thing the gold standard thing that comes in every single day all day to our clinic is non-specific low back pain mm-hmm. that's our that's that's our bread and butter we fix that super quick that's pretty much all we see like that's like 50% of our people. Then after that, it's like neck and mid-back pain, headaches, and then shoulders, knees, and hips. So I've seen, I've been going to see Pat for a couple of years now. Um, I walked in with, you know, semi-specific back pain with uh, some, visiting some other chiropractic clinics before in the past, having some some luck at some and other ones I absolutely hated. And I really, really love Pat's approach to everything. And he's very approachable in general as a human. Um, so it's an overall good experience. Um, you know, Pat, talk a little bit about um, what you, as a chiropractic clinic, 
do versus other places. So I know I've been to one place and they, t- they told me one thing and this is all chiropractic is about. And I was like, I have a background in exercise physiology and anatomy and phys in general. That doesn't sound right. Finally, I came to you and I'm like, okay, this, this guy understands what he's talking about. He's not pigeonholing himself into one specific, you know, practice. If one specific uh, modality doesn't work, you have a slew of them at your disposal as well as your expertise and your education. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just as in any other profession, there's, you know, there's good and bad and there's people that do specific things and a gamut of things, uh, at our clinic, uh, all of our providers, uh, we kind of have, uh, we always kind of, uh, talk about it as like, we have like a tool belts full of modalities that we can help people get in on pain and we don't do any cookie cutter treatment. So everyone gets a very different, uh, specific treatment. Um, so our main modality is the chiropractic adjustments, um, right? We're chiropractors. We, you know, adjust the, you know, the ligaments and joints of um, the spine and extremities. That's our main thing. But on top of that, we're also certified in something called active release technique, which is the gold standard uh, soft, tissue, soft tissue treatment um, for any kind of, you know, uh, muscle, uh, joint, or tendon uh, in the body. There's also nerve protocols with that too. So we can pretty much you know, see any kind of soft tissue injury with the active release technique. Uh, we're also certified in something called the McKenzie method, which is the number one uh, research-based method of treating uh, the spine in the world. It's an Australian technique. It's an active exercise-based uh, physical therapy modality that gets people out of pain very, very, very quick. Uh, on average, somebody that walks in the door that has, like, a nonspecific, like, back pain or really any pain, as long as it's nothing crazy, um, we get them 100% symptom-free between six and eight visits, which is well below the national standard. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think um, my experience with clients having any type of low back pain is that they they don't really know where it's coming from. Um, they're they're just confused. They always think it's whether it, you know sitting down at their desk or they lifted a weight wrong or they did something wrong at their home. Uh, can you touch on a little bit of the the common causes and maybe clear up like you know some things aren't necessarily um, the causes that people think that they are and they're actually you know a, I guess what I'm trying to get is it's a lot of things combined together uh, if you could just touch on that yeah so just in regards to low back pain um, you're looking at a few different risk factors and just to kind of preface that um, uh, you know, 80% of the U.S. population is going to experience low back pain at some point within their lives. Um, so that kind of puts it in the normal category. So low back pain is normal, right? Um, from there, um, also before we go into the specifics of what causes low back pain, um, the number one predisposing factor for low back pain is if you've had it before. Um, so that's kind of the number one thing. Whereas, like, if you if if you've had it, like, you know, depending on how you live your lifestyle, which most of us like sit and drive and like, you know, are mostly sedentary, um, you might, you know, you're probably gonna have it again, which right. is um, most common. Um, but then you go into like lifestyle factors, like what you're doing. Are you sitting at a desk for 50, 60 hours a week, you know, you know, slouched over? Are you not taking care of your body? Are you not lifting weights? Are you not doing any kind of exercise? You know, uh, stuff like that. Um, then there's also like the like specific things are you like loading your spine heavy are you like you know do you lift boxes onto a truck every day you know in in the flex position 
Um, there's a, you know, did you fall? Did you get into a car accident? So then there's, then it goes into all the specific categories of how you can injure your back. Sure. Sure. Do you think like, uh, people that have reoccurring back pain have a little bit of, um, a mental component yeah, to so it? That's actually, so that's actually, uh, that's actually the third risk factor is a psychosocial. Um, it's commonly overlooked in most medical practice and chiropractors and anyone who deals with low back pain. But yeah, that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have low back pain, they don't get it treated, they don't really change anything. And then they keep having it on their mind and oh my God, you know, I am, it's, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm screwed. I'm not going to be able to work out ever again. I, you know, I'm never going to be able to run that marathon again. And, you know, it kind of messes with them. And there is a strong correlation with the psychosocial with the actual physical pain as well. And actually with that said, you know, a lot of the times it's pretty funny, like we'll have patients that like come in and like, Oh, you know, I have a little back pain or whatever. We're treating them and they're getting a little bit better. And, you know, they're constantly complaining about it and such. Um, but then they'll go to Mexico for a week, right? you know, and, um, you know, they won't, you know, they won't, uh, do anything, you know, you know, they go on nice long walks, you know, they're not sitting at a desk and they come back and I say, how are you feeling? I say, Oh, Mexico is great. I got all this sun. I feel like you know, 75% better. And that just kind of shows you the psychosocial part of it. Hey, Hey Pat, what's going on, man? Um, <clears throat> if, if I have low back pain or anybody out there has low back pain, do I have to get it fixed? Do I have to see a professional in order to make that low back pain go away? Mm, it depends. So there's something called the natural history of, of pain. And, you know, it, it goes with any body part. But, um, you know, a, a lot of the time, low back pain will go away on its own. It just really depends. I mean, I, I can't really give you a specific answer because it depends on what happened. You know, did you fall down a flight of stairs and, you know, crush your spine? Like, you should probably see somebody. You know, do you have, like, a very, very minor ache of 1 out of 10 uh, pain level? And it came on one day. I mean, it could go away two days later. Um, you know, I mean, there's also different, uh, you know, parts of pain as well. You know, it, you know, if it is a true injury, you know, with some sort of damage, you know, it goes through the different stages where it's inflammatory from, like, you know, zero to seven days. You know, and then the inflammation is done, and then it reconstructs, and then it has to be pop over you know weeks. So that's when you would see somebody. But it just it just depends. Cool. How um how often do I have to come in? Right? How often do you recommend people come in? What what's the how many you know you said six to eight visits usually pain free. Um, how how is that kind of spread out? Twice a week, three times a week, once a week. Yeah. So again, it depends on on the severity of the patient, but generally speaking. Um, you know, when somebody goes starts a treatment plan, when they come in for their first visits, um, and this is pretty universal with physical therapy and chiropractors, it's twice a week for a few weeks. There should always be a re-examination of baselines that, that you found in the first visit. So the first visit, you know, you do all, you know, range of motion testing, you know, palpation, poke around, um, you know, you do your orthopedics, your neurologic testing, and then you treat, and then after six, seven or eight visits, you do a re-examination and then you know, you see, hopefully they got better, which most of the time they will with conservative therapy. Cool. Uh, Josh, do you have anything with the, any of those other myths that we Yeah, you know, um, I've been I've been down this whole road with back pain, and I've been a person that's been scared of a lot of the stuff before learning more and more about it. And, you know, hearing you talk about these things, it's taken me a long time to come to the realization of, hey, 
low back pain doesn't always mean a serious medical condition. It can, mm -hmm. like you said, if you hurt yourself doing something really badly and you have a severe acute issue. Um, but to the regular population, and I've been there as well, like you don't know where it's coming from, like Chad said, and it can definitely cause some fear, like, oh my God, my back, I'm gonna be out of work and so on, right? Um, yeah. I guess uh, one of the biggest fears people have is, you know, persistent lower back pain is always gonna be related to tissue damage and that they need a scan to detect the cause of it, right? Um, what, what is your, uh, what's your take on that? Can you repeat uh, the last part of that? Uh, so just in general, like persistent lower back pain is always going to be related to the tissue damage and mm -hmm. scans like MRIs, x-rays and so on. People rush to get those kinds of things. What do you say to people like that? Yeah. So, I mean, tissue damage is kind of, you know, a relative term, um, in general, uh, when like, you know, the common person is not you know that doesn't have a medical background you know i think tissue damage to them means like you know my disc is you know shredded or you know my my ligaments are like you know you know torn or something like that when in our field and it's you know my field you know tissue damage can be a very small acute you know thing that is normal so like a lot of times like if you end up getting an mri you can see tissue tissue damage as being like a one millimeter you know, cuts, which is, you know, very, 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 very tiny. Um, so that does happen a lot, but like it, when people think of tissue damage, it's not like as bad as most people think. If that answers, you know, the question. So if, if you, if you have pain, there's going to be some sort of damage, but I don't think it's what most people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think you kind of hit it there that the, the people have, do you think it's their more or less their pain perception? Like, do you, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. I think as soon as people feel, it's interesting because, you know, we do in here at Lyft, we do a lot of deadlifting, um, a lot of things that require anything from the trunk all the way down, you know, into the glutes and stuff and a lot of single leg stabilization. So, um, people tend to be sore within the glutes and even times the low back. Um, and while they're also sore in their biceps and triceps from, uh, from a workout previously, this, the soreness within their low back, a lot of times they correlate as pain when soreness in any other muscles that they're having, they're correlating as soreness. So it's an interesting thing. As soon as they have low back pain, it's like, oh, I hurt my low back. Uh, do you have any experience with that? Yeah, so that's, that's pretty common. And basically what I tell people as like a rule of thumb is, um, you know, there's kind of, if, 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 if you want to look at pain, if you want to look at low back pain generally, um, you know, you can have centralized low back pain right or you can have peripheralized low back pain anytime pain is leaving the middle of your back and going into the butt or down the leg that's generally not a good thing that usually correlates with some sort of pathology within the low back if it's bilateral on both sides and it's a soreness after you've done an activity and it's centralized I tell people to wait it out a few days as long as there's no red flags. Uh, that's usually soreness. And, you know, like I said, we see a lot of CrossFitters and, you know, lifters, and, you know, weightlifters and people who are doing personal training. And a lot of them ask me that question. And I'm just like, you know, give it a couple of days, see if it goes away. And then if it doesn't, then, you know, they'll, they'll come back or they'll come in. Right, right. And, you know, we also have times that even though we think it may be safe for them to be doing certain movements, uh, there's always ways to work around it within the room and, you know, we can train around with the times that they feel like they have pain until they get more comfortable. 
Uh, and it's been a big struggle for us is to get people to the point of where they're trusting us enough not to put them into more pain um, and kind of develop that pain relationship even with clients that work with you that also come in here. I think it's just really important to have that constant communication between like us as trainers, you as a chiropractor, um, and a specialist in your field, and having kind of two people into a, into a client's ear, giving them that support and making sure that they're they're kind of their mental states on properly, you know. Yeah, so that's the good thing about working with somebody like you guys. Like, you know, I mean, if somebody's getting one-on-one personal training with an expert that's doing, you know, somebody's watching them and making sure their form is like as close to perfect as can be and they are doing modifications where like something hurts you know i know that you know the expert personal trainers can switch it up and modify it so that they can still get a very you know good functional uh lift in uh, without damaging you know the spine or any tissues right right um do you guys have anything i have the next question I have for you, um, and it's it's a common myth, I guess, but um, some people think that you know all low back pain is caused from just poor posture when they're sitting, standing, lifting. Um, can you talk a little bit about posture, kind of your theory behind posture? I know I have my own stance on it, uh, but I like just like to kind of hear what you have to say. Yeah, so uh, just think about it this way, right? Um, if you are sitting in a chair all day, right? Uh, right, you have like your spine and there's vertebrae, and then in between the vertebrae are these kind of spongy discs, right? If you're sitting in a chair, kind of like I am right now or whatever, we're always going to be just a little bit hunched forward, okay? So if you do this hours and hours and hours a day, times that by weeks, by months, by years, you know, with the same core sitting posture, the spine is going to be stuck into a forward position. When that happens, that puts more pressure on the back of the spine. Well, that's where the nerve the nerve endings and spinal nerves are. So prolonged poor sitting posture will lead to uh, what we call as, as a posterior derangement, which is possibly a disc, possibly a ligament, possibly muscle damage or you know minor you know damage in the back portion of the spine. Got it. Um, that's why, like I always tell people, like make sure you know you're getting up at least once an hour. Right. Like if you're sitting at a desk, like just get up, walk, do a loop around the office, go to the bathroom, go to the water cooler. Yeah. Like anything to break that constant flexion of the spine. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the biggest time we see people with low back pain is when they have, uh, they have constant, they have jobs where they have to constantly sit, you know, whether it's in a car, on planes. Yeah. Um, but then on the other side, like, for example, I have one client that travels. She flies probably 15 to 17 hours a week, and she has no low back pain. So, you know, it, it, like Pat was saying earlier, I think it's very just dependent on, you know, you don't know what they're doing at home. Are they standing a lot at work, even though they are sitting down in the plane a lot? Um, you know, it's very dependent on the individual, whether they are going to have pain, um, regardless of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, you touched a little bit on just now talking about sitting forever, you know, over time have some sort of posterior derangement or some disc issues. I know I've seen some like studies out there. Um, I don't know if you can reference anything for me, but like, so people think that, oh, I have a bulging disc. Bulging disc is the worst thing in the world, right? So bulging disc leads to herniation and so on, and just can lead to, you know, nerves exposed and a lot of bad stuff, right? Um, when you're talking about bulging disc in the grand scheme of things, like, isn't there a very big part of the population that already has a bulging disc without any sort of symptoms? 
Yes, that's correct. So I don't have the studies in front of me, but it's something like if you took 10 people off the street that have no symptoms and you put them in an MRI machine and took an MRI of their low back, I think it's either five. Like I said, I don't have the study. You guys can can reference this later and maybe talk about it on the next podcast, but it's either around five people are going to have some sort of, of disc bulge. Right. So in, in general, then... That just shows up. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, then in general, bulging disc isn't necessarily the end of the world or people who have a bulging disc can completely live a normal life and complete function. No, it's not. And, you know, going back to the psychosocial thing is a lot of the times people will come in here and they have already had an MRI. And they come in and they just have some, you know, you know, we talked about peripheralized or centralized pain. They'll just have some some small centralized pain, um, you know, and they'll come in and they'll have no red flags, no numbing, no tingling, no weakness, just some some low back pain. And they'll say, oh, I came from, you know, from the orthopedic. I have a script to do physical therapy to do with you. And, you know, they'll bring the MRI in and the MRI will say like, you know, six millimeter, you know, which which is kind of big for yeah. for, uh, for a disc uh, bulge. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I have a huge six millimeter herniation. Doctor says, you know, it's horrible and blah, blah, blah. But the guy doesn't have any pain, you know, so like, you know, in his mind, he, you know, you know, somebody told him he has a huge disc herniation, you know, and, you know, he's going to have to be in physical therapy like forever. And like, you know, he, you know, he can't lift anymore. He can't do anything else anymore. Yeah. You know, where, you know, disc herniations are, are very common, especially in our population between 20 and 45 years old is the most common age to get a disc herniation. Interesting. I think people would think it was much higher than that. Like as you get a little bit older, maybe like forty-five to fifty-five or fifty or forty-five to sixty-five. Like I thought, it would, if you would ask me, I would have been like, "Oh, it's definitely older." Well, it's definitely a function of, I think, athletics in general. The herniation comes from uh, brittle discs, right? So if you have that, I remember when I first went and got an MRI. They're like, "Oh, you have, you know, black discs on your MRI. You have degenerative disc disease. All this stuff." And you got brittle, brittle discs, which are going to lead, or dehydrated discs, which are brittle, which are going to lead to herniation and all this stuff. And hearing all that, like you're saying, someone, someone came into you, and they were told all this stuff, and like, oh, I'm going to be in PT forever. I heard all that stuff from a dude, and I'm like, wow, I'm really messed up. And in general, I would attribute it to a lifetime of athletics. I was continuously exposing my body to, you know, forces that it didn't want to be exposed to, and I was not strength training. I was literally back in the day, you, you play your sport to Playing get better. Sport. Yeah. yeah. You play your sport to get better at your sport. You don't spend any time in the gym. I was a tennis player and a soccer player. You don't spend time in the gym. You, you play tennis to get better at tennis. You run and do drills to get better at soccer. Um, you know, especially with like contact sports like football and stuff, obviously some of those sports were being in the gym a little more. Mm-hmm. But I would attribute a lot of the issues I have today to a lifetime of athletics. Um, and I'm now 30, but I started experiencing a lot of issues when I was about 25. And that's when my MRI started to show a lot of stuff that Pat's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Pat, do you think you can give us some insight? Um, if you were to give people maybe like four or five exercises that they should probably be doing at home um, to more or less just prehab stuff to really prevent that kind of you know low back pain, a little bit of maintenance here and there, like what would you give them, whether it's mobility, strengthening? Yeah, so that's kind of a tough question. I'll try and do it as best as I can. Right. Um, but I'll just preface it by saying that uh, if you have low back pain, um, you know, you can try these, but if there's any, you know, pain or discomfort, I would, I would, I would discontinue. So these are very, very generalized. You know, you always go on the internet and you see like, 
seven things for low back pain or right. five exercises to like get rid of your shoulder pain where the reality is every single person is completely different and you know um, some people respond different to different directional preference than others so I can kind of give you a few that are very spine neutral and that should be safe for most of the population sure absolutely um, so just for spinal movement uh, for the sitting person um, very number one very basic basic exercise is the cat cow right you're on all four I know I've seen you guys do it with patients you know as a warm-up before your exercise right that's just a full spine um, mid-range mobility exercise that is very very safe for almost everyone and is a good thing to do daily um, I do it almost every day in my home uh, when I wake up or you know at some point uh, yeah. throughout the day um, that right there is a very, very, very good safe one. The next one would kind of be like, um, maybe like a forward, uh, 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 it's a hip flexor opener, um, where like you kind of put one leg forward and then the knee on the ground and then you kind of lunge back and forth. Sure. Um, I mean, pretty much everyone has tight hip flexors. Uh, it's a very safe exercise and stretch. Uh, if we're sitting, right, your hips are bent at 90 degrees, your hip flexors are going to be short most of the sit all day long so right. that's a very 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 uh good one um another one that people can do is um some uh it's called the mckenzie extension uh, you just lay on the floor you put your arms next to your armpits and you just do a really slow kind of like an up dog in yoga but again i'll preface that one where that one may not be good for everyone but for most people it will be just fine okay. um and then there's some other minor core things that that people can do. Uh, I don't know if the listeners, you know, would know these, but you know, a bird dog or a dead bug. Yeah, I'd say for uh, the most part, we we do those in here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So just basic neutral spine core exercises and mid range um, uh, spine mobile, mobilization techniques. Yeah, and if there if there are any listeners out there um, that do not come into lift, by all means, you could just YouTube or Google these. You'll you'll see them pop up immediately. You know how to do them. Good. That's, that's good. Do you guys have anything? Anything about, um, I guess the one thing that I would, that I think some of the listeners are curious about is, um, you know, how, how does exercise and strength training really correlate to mitigating pain in general? Um, when, I guess you could touch on that and then when should they be, uh, alarmed or um, curious as to whether they should come into someone like you or see a specialist, um, whether they're having pain. Because I know, you know, a lot of times I've had, we all have our aches and pains, like when we drop down into a squat at, for the first time in three days, or, um, you know, our hip flexors are a little tight here and there and have a, maybe a little bit of pinching. But that doesn't necessarily stop me from training. And actually, when I start training, I feel a little bit better. So, like, what are the, what's your advice on that? And then how should they move forward into the workout or should they stop the workout? Yeah. So, in general, strength training uh, is, you know, if you're doing it correctly with a personal trainer or if you're, you know, advanced on your own or something, um, you know, it's, it's very healthy for the body, right? Obviously, um, you know, if, if you're training, uh, functionally, um, you know, your muscles are going to be stronger, your joints are going to be stronger, your range of motion is going to be better. Um, and generally speaking, if you're more active than sedentary, you're going to be healthier, uh, in almost every way, cardiovascular, endurance, muscular, stuff like that uh, and then you put on top of it some you know a place like Lyft where you guys are like instructing people and like writing them 
you know, strength plans and, you know, watching everything that they're doing, it's going to be even better. Yeah, I think along um, what both of you guys were saying, it's like people have this idea in their head. The second they might feel some sort of pain, they have to stop what they're doing right. and then be sedentary. Like what Chad was saying, hey, sometimes I'm a little tight. Sometimes I might feel a little bit of pain here and there. But as I continue to go through and as I'm warming up and as I'm going, my body is adapting to it. Now I feel better. Um, like we always talk about, for the most part, uh, stronger muscle is going to you know, lead you to be, be a healthier person, have a better lifestyle. Yeah. A weaker muscle, right, as, as Chad always says, you know, strength training is dangerous. Well, try being weak. That's dangerous shit, right? <laughs> um, in general, you should not stop strength training because you have some sort of pain. If you have pain that is literally you know, stopping you from being able to like move, there's a different story, right? right? You should yeah. go see someone. But if you are just like having minor aches and pains and you can manage through it and you have someone that's actually like working around it and still strengthening other areas that help this area, continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, I'm curious to uh, hear what you kind of think about this. I There's one guy that I follow pretty closely um, on Instagram and I read a bunch of his blog stuff. Uh, but he talks about, you know, he's a chiropractor and I believe he went back and got his PT stuff. Um, but he essentially like his thought process on what he does chiropractic and PT wise is to get people out of pain so we can open up time for movement and strengthening. What's your thought on that? Uh, get people out of pain first and then go back into it. Well, I guess they, they can kind of like coincide. Um, but he's like a lot of his stuff on like adjustments and things that he does like on table work. When people say someone comes in, they're in debilitating pain, right? He's going to do the exercises and things that he's giving people or adjustments is, hey, we need to somehow decrease your pain to make time to implement more movement and strengthening to that yeah. area. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I would agree with that. In general, I would say going back to the whole like, um, you know, kind of working out with pain is there should be some generalized tests. Look, man, if you squat, just air squat, you know, with no weight or anything, and you have pain, probably shouldn't be squatting with weight, right? <laughs> uh, if you're already used to squatting or deadlifting and you know you feel a small centralized you know, muscle or ache or something, you, you know, it can kind of be tweaked and you know, maybe you, you know, maybe you take some weight off or maybe you do it again or maybe you do some more hip pinches before you do them. Um, but that, again, that's one of the advantages of, of being watched, you know, by like the coach and you know, doing doing that that kind of stuff so like actually you know knowing when when to stop or when to do something different kind of varies uh, case by case um yeah uh, then, I, uh, go ahead what's up go ahead no no go ahead i have one big one that i almost left off that i really want to touch um along the whole like the progression of back pain people will go see a surgeon right or a pain doctor and they will from the pain doctor get injections they go to a surgeon they want to get cut up chiropractor wants to manipulate you move you so you then can continue to get strengthened um i guess touch a little bit on injections and surgery and when you should really avoid it what your recommendations are i know it's individual to each person but i know personally to myself anytime i've had someone who's gotten a spinal fusion um their lifestyle's actually gotten worse right um they're hey, they might have been like in pain, but now they can't move or it didn't work or something, right? So a lot of times these surgeries are super, super invasive and they don't work and they just continue to 
lead you down the road of more and more pain. So like, what's, what's your kind of, you know, outlook in general on surgery injections and all that kind of stuff? So I'll start with, I'll start with injections and most of the time people, uh, people are going to be injecting, uh, cortisone shots, which is just a, you know, just a lot of steroids locally to the area. Um, so if you look at, um, how the body sees pain, there's only three types of pain. There's mechanical pain, there's chemical pain, and there's thermal pain, right? We'll kind of throw out thermal because I'm not seeing burn, burn patients, okay? So there's chemical, and then there's mechanical, okay? So mechanical pain means, right, patient does something, pain comes on. We can do something or they can do something, pain goes away. That means it's mechanical pain, okay? And you would treat that with mechanical stuff, chiropractic, physical therapy, stretching, proper lifting techniques, stuff like that, right? The other side to, uh, to the pain is chemical pain. These are mostly traumatic or, um, you know, a traumatic in nature, like car crash or, you know, you, you know, something crazy happens where you fall down the stairs, or you get hit with a baseball bat or something like that. Um, or it could just be a really, really, really bad injury. And this is chemical pain. All right, that is a true inflammatory process. If it is truly chemical, nothing that you can do mechanically can treat the chemical pain. Only chemicals can treat the chemical pain, which would be the injections or some other sort of chemical, right? Um, so there is a need for that. Uh, you know, what I've seen is, you know, a lot of the times, most of the times, the injections are being done on mechanical patients, um, which doesn't really fit uh, what happens. Uh, or, or what should be done, but that's, you know, the layman's terms thinking of how it should be done. Um, I think it's a good so breakdown. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Did that, did that make sense kind of? Absolutely. I mean, in general, right. yes, the yeah. mechanical versus the chemical. I definitely was always in the school of thought like, oh, if you have all this pain, like maybe the chemicals yeah. will help you get rid of it. But if it's truly mechanical, the chemical is not going to, you know, fix the issue. Exactly. So, so yeah, then going to the surgery, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, you know, my job is to be a conservative doctor. Um, so, you know, I tend to leave those decisions up to the people who do the surgeries. Um, but yeah, a lot of the times I see people that had some, you know, back pain, and, you know, they had some numbness and tingling and they didn't really give PT a shot or chiropractic a shot. And then they kind of went straight to the surgery and they're worse now. Yeah, sure. That does happen a lot. Um, but you know, a lot of the times the surgeries are necessary. It just kind of depends on which ones. You know, the, the full fusions are usually pretty bad long term because your spine is supposed to move, right? So if they fuse the whole spine, or not the whole spine, but the segments of the spine that were injured, mm -hmm. you know, the segments above and below it are, you know, they're they're going to be doing too much work, and you know, they're going to probably be more prone to getting injured than before. But you know, there there there's some minor surgical things that can be done you know there's micro discectomies that are done by lasers now and you know it's an in and out service and i generally see that those are pretty okay and people usually tend to get better i think that uh just hearing you talk about uh you know people kind of saying they tried pt for a little while or they claimed they did pt and they kind of rushed to do a surgery i kind of almost just in my head clicked it's almost like people want to lose weight really quickly and look really good <laughs> but they won't put in the work to do it. They just want the quick fixes, like the diet pills and the crash diets. It's kind right. of like almost the same, like, you know, concept there. Well, I mean, dude, if you, if you, you know, if you think about it this way, 
most of the time you didn't hurt your back by like lifting that box or like or like deadlifting the weight, man. This has been going on for you know months or years. Right. Um, oh, sorry, somebody just called me. Um, yeah. So um, you know, if you, I mean, if you think about it, you know, like some of this pain, you know, these mechanisms, you know, you know, this tissue damage, whatever's going on, you know, I mean, this could have been building up and building up and building up over years, and then they then they lifted the one box, or then they did the deadlift, or then they squatted. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back, right? And that, oh, 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 it was just, you know, that one thing. And, you know, the rehab process is like, you know, like, dude, you know, you need a few, you know, visits, man. You know, you need a handful of visits. And, you know, sometimes if somebody comes into me and they're 60 and they've had pain for 20 years, it's not going to be six to eight visits, you know? Yeah, I think like... It's going to be a little bit longer. And I think people who, people so strongly correlate the instance that they that they got hurt to the thing that hurt mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have that even in here, like there's certain people that won't even go near like a deadlift anymore or um, a, just a certain exercise because they hurt it the one time. That's how they hurt it the one time and they won't go back to it. So it's, I mean, it's a process, it's a process to break yeah. it down and teach people yeah. you know, what's really going on. So that is called fear avoidance. Um, and actually one of the, one of the uh, techniques that we do, uh, the McKenzie me- method, um, we actually reteach the, uh, the fear avoidance. So somebody gets hurt deadlifting lift, six years ago. They come in. We go through the whole process of these exercises, you know, physical therapy exercises. And then when they're out of pain, we go back and we reteach them how to go back to what they're avoiding, which is uh, really good. And that's kind of the missing part of a lot of physical therapy or chiropractors. It's like that end game. How do you get them back to doing the things that they're that they're scared to do? Right. I think that's big. Yeah. 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 I, got a, I got a couple Go questions ahead. here. Um, you know, a big big thing for me is I, th- I think some people are just absolutely fucking ridiculous with how they, you know, again, we've touched on it, but how they m- mentally handle the pain, right? And kind of, especially in here, soreness versus actual pain, right? And some people are sore and they'll, they'll hit me up and they think their their life's over. Do you guys do any work on the like mental part of pain and getting people to understand what that that pain actually is and if it if it even is actual pain or soreness or something like that um we do a little bit of that um mostly by educating them on actually so like the first time somebody comes in um, you know, we do a full history, you know, the first visit is an hour long, we do a full history, then we go into a full, uh, functional and objective, uh, examination, we do neurologic testing, orthopedic testing, range of motion, palpation, functional squatting, stuff like that. With all those puzzle pieces, then we're able to properly diagnose the patient and explain to them the mechanism of their injury. Most of the time by doing that alone is that's more than than people have heard by any doctor or by anyone ever. So just by getting the proper and correct diagnosis and getting the baselines, that usually calms people down. But yes, I mean, sometimes people are, you know, they just have that strong psychosocial and it's really tough. We try, but, you know, we just try and talk to them, but it's tough. And then in, in, in severe cases, so like over like the last nine, nine plus years of practice, um, I have sent... I could probably count on one hand, eh, maybe two hands of how many people I've sent out to a, you know, a psych, uh, psychologist to, mm. to try and work with it. Interesting. 
the other thing I had uh, in the very beginning you mentioned that you see more females than males is that just simply a statistic or is there a reason for that I mean my own personal thought of why is uh, males are stubborn I mean <laughs> it takes me forever to go to the doctor you know yeah um, I mean females they're you know they want to get fixed man they're you know they're smart they they know what's up males are just stubborn like ah, I don't want to see anybody I'm just going to foam roll it or you know something like that whereas right. yeah they'll do their the toe touch stretch and just make it even worse yeah we see that a lot in here I think um, men are reluctant to ask for help they always want to do it themselves yeah. uh, they don't want to use google maps they just want to find the, do the directions I'm not stopping for directions um, and yeah women are very like they're like I don't know what the hell I'm doing so I'm going to go to yeah. a professional you know yeah, it's also funny when like women come in here and you know they say, "Oh my god, my my husband or boyfriend like like he he like can't sleep at night. Like the dude has pain like down his leg." And I'm like, "Tell him to come in." Yeah. You know, and they're like, "I I tried, I tried." And then, you know, finally once they come in, it's great. It's you know a great experience. But like, I mean, it takes like somebody to like nag them for like weeks just to get them in. We get that. We get a lot of that as well. Like. We ask, yeah. we ask people like whether it's a, a male like hey like what does your significant other do or a female what does your what does your significant other do oh you know they're they're like putzing around with classes or they go to the gym on their own but they're not really seeing results and I'm like so why wouldn't they come in eh they're stubborn or like maybe and eventually like literally some I've I've had some clients for like five six years who I finally saw their significant other like yeah. maybe this year. And now they're clients and it's just like they love it like look, think about all the yeah. time you were wasting like not coming in yeah. here and now you have the opportunity to come in here and actually hey this is your starting point moving forward but you wasted five years or three years or two years and so on yeah absolutely yeah that's pretty common yeah so pat leave us with um just a i don't know a couple sentences or words of wisdom for the, for the people listening um I'll just leave it. I'll leave it open ended. I want to hear like your like what's your Dr. Pat words of wisdom for back pain or fitness in general. Sorry, what was the question? You cut out. Uh, just you, I want to hear your words of wisdom. Like, if you have any like two three sentences on what you want, like what do you want everyone to I guess um, abide by within like back pain and fitness and chiropractic. So basically, it's. Um you know, everyone, you know, in general, what I tell everyone is, you know, you, you, you got to be active. You, you have to exercise. You have to, you know, do some sort of resistance training, you know, mix up your workouts. Just be active in general. Uh, to me, that is probably the most important thing, probably more than getting treatment or anything. I mean, I always just, you know, I always tell people like, dude, you know, you're, you're 35, you're 30, you know, you're 40, you're 45. Like, start now. Like, yeah. You, know, you want to like you don't want to be in pain like when you're older. Right. Like be active. Get up off, off your chair. Movement is life. Exercise is life. Right. And, yeah. You know most of the studies you know show that exercise and you know moving and stuff decreases the amount of pain. Right. Everyone knows being sedentary is no way to live your life, and that right. increases almost every you know morbid disease. Yeah. So there's that. The other thing is um, you know a lot of people have like a misconception about chiropractors. They think you know they're going to come in, we're going to do an X-ray. You know, we're going to snap and crack your spine and twist your neck real crazy <laughs> and, you know, do all kinds of stuff. Um, and, you know, that's not the case, uh, you know, here at all. Uh, you know, we're we're very, you know, conservative. Uh, like I said, our first exam is, is very intense. You know, the most important part is properly uh, classifying and diagnosing each patient and giving them a 
very specific treatment plan. And then I talked about the tool belt, you know, uh, you know, we use, you know, numerous different modalities, you know, we have, a, you know, an A plan, a B plan, and a C plan for everybody. You know, everyone's not going to respond the same way. Right, right. Um, well, cool. Let's, uh, let's give the audience um, a little bit of info where they can find you, uh, whether it's on social media, your website, or just in general in your uh, location here. Sure. So we're located three blocks north of you guys in River North. So we're 750 North Orleans. We're right off the Chicago Brown Line in the city. Awesome. Um, we are on Instagram at Elite Performance Chicago. Um, or maybe it's at are you? Elite I think Performance Chiropractic. It might be Cairo. <laughs> I think I just tagged you. Sorry. Regardless, for, yeah, for no. those listening, uh, if you look at the, the uh, what is it, the bio about this episode here, I'll tag all of Pat's links up here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sorry. I'm it's Elite Performance Cairo. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly texting Josh yeah. asking how to, <laughs> how to share posts and how to do stories and stuff like that. So, Josh, you've been a big help. Yeah, no worries. And then uh, um, what's your website? What's the, the easiest way to yeah. get in contact with you? Yeah, so easiest way is go to the website, eliteperformancechicago.com. First thing, there's a there's a schedule now visit. Actually, during this you know COVID nineteen pandemic, we're still seeing patients, but not physically. Uh, we're just doing telemed visits. So we're doing physical therapy uh, online. Blue Cross Blue Shield is covering them at a hundred percent if you have coverage. That's fantastic. Um, and um, yeah, the website is a great tool. You can click on the book now. You can. You email us right through uh the website or you can do it through uh instagram as well awesome awesome well thanks pat we really appreciate it uh until next time guys this is chad josh and pete with the lift chicago podcast thanks for tuning in leave us a review and we'll see you next time thank you